Welcome to episode number 17 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about seeking validation from others, external approval, and why sometimes we really need it, and sometimes why something like getting passed over for a promotion or a job interview feels particularly challenging. I just want to start off by saying it has been a crazy couple of weeks. I've been recovering from COVID. My best friend got married in Asheville, North Carolina, and we were able to celebrate with her and her family in a long weekend event, which was fantastic. Um, And my family and I are preparing to take a trip to Europe where we're going to spend about three weeks going through a few countries and having some time together in a way that we really haven't done since before COVID. And I know I'm not the only one who's not done some international travel, Um, but this is a trip that we've been looking forward to for about 18 months, and uh, I'm excited that we're about to embark on it. In addition to COVID and um, being at ACNM, the American College of Nurse Midwives annual meeting and going down to Asheville, it has been a whirlwind of a June And so I'm excited that we're watching uh, our peach tree with some of its peaches getting ready and watching all of the flowers in my garden start to bloom. And this is truly one of my favorite times of the year, um, just because of the weather and uh, and the opportunities to um, change things up a bit. The kids are out of school, and I don't know if you are going through this too, but It's been a little bit different in my household with having the kids around. There's always an adjustment period when they stop going to school and they start hanging around the house a little bit more. We go through milk a little bit more quickly. We go through cereal a little bit more quickly. And uh, and there's not as much alone time. So I find myself getting up a little bit earlier and uh, trying to maintain some semblance of quiet time in the morning so that I feel really grounded and present and like I have some of my own space in a house that feels pretty busy. So maybe you've been going through some of that uh, in your neighborhood or in your life. And so uh, I just want you to know that I, I see you and you're not alone. So let's dive in here. This is a conversation that I think is so important. And I also just want to say that I've had this conversation with so many clients. We actually talk about it quite a bit in Women Who Cultivate. And, um, and we, we've highlighted it a couple of times here on the podcast. Um, so we're going to talk though about why we do seek validation outside of ourselves and why sometimes when we don't get the validation that we're seeking, we have a really hard time and a struggle. And, uh, and I know that I've gone through this so many times. So if you find that you're sitting here listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I know exactly what she's talking about good. You're not alone. <laughs> We've been through some of the same stuff. And and I hope to offer you a couple of uh, thoughts and kind of maybe some different thinking in order to support you so that these moments aren't as challenging and they don't in- involve as much suffering. And if you listen to the last podcast and episode number 16, we talked about Byron Katie. And um, one of the lines that I always in teachings from Byron Katie that I use so often, which is, 
anytime you fight with reality, it always causes suffering. And so, um, so we'll see that that, uh, that rings true uh, throughout this conversation. But let's start off and just say that you may be interviewing for, for positions. And maybe this is for those of you who are just getting started in your careers. Maybe this is for those of you who are seeking promotion or you're making, you know, learning or considering making a lateral move to another organization. And, uh, and you're, you've got your CV done, you've got a resume, you've been having conversations, you're on LinkedIn, you are engaging with people, you are trying as best you can to network and reach out to your, your uh, network professionally and, and ask people and let them know maybe that, you know, you're looking for something different. Uh, And, you know, for some of you, that will happen relatively easily. And I think there are some of us who have always been the people who we maybe didn't need to interview for positions. We just maybe they fell into our laps. Or maybe you're the person who, you know, you always went into the interview and you got the job. And, um, and so if that's been your experience, fantastic. Good for you. You clearly were creating some fantastic results. And if not, just know that also it's, it's, it's okay and it's normal too. But let's just say that if you are that person who's trying to get the job or the promotion or make the lateral move, you know, and it's not happening, right? And nothing is landing. You know, you may be also thinking at that time, I really need this job to be okay. Or I really need a job because I really need to get out of here. Or... I'll feel better when I'm in a new institution and, you know, I'm just doing this work in a different place. And I see this all the time. I got to mention that, you know, if I've had um, one conversation in particular with women advanced practice nurses over the last couple of years, um, one has, has really stood out, which is very often this idea that, you know, it's going to be better somewhere else. Right, like if you're the the advanced practice nurse who's covering three nursing homes, and you know each of the nursing homes has different policies and procedures and different staff, and and you're kind of like, well, I just want to go to uh, you know a different place because I think um, you know it'll be better there, right? Like the the policies will be better, the staff will be better. I mean, if we if we really look at that honestly, there may be some truth there. It may actually be better in a different uh, organization. It also just may be that you may actually still have the same shit boundaries, right, that you bring to this new organization, right? Because if you're the person who doesn't set the boundaries, doesn't, is uh, avoidant of conflict, who doesn't want to have the conversations in order to streamline the process and make it more efficient or to establish lines of communication, either with the physicians or with the support staff, you know, that, that behavior doesn't stop just because you switch organizations, right? It just tends to get, uh, it it tends not to improve, despite the fact that you're like, well, it'll just be better if I go to a new place. No, probably, actually, probably not. You know, you know how this goes, right? So, but if you're, you know, if you're looking for this new job, and you're like, boy, you know, um, this job's sucking the life out of me. And you're like, oh, I got to get out of here again. And I really need this next job. I really need this promotion you know, uh, and, and, and very often when I have clients who say, I really need this, I say, why? Tell me a little bit more about that. Why do you really need it? And then they'll very often say something like, well, you know, I'm not doing the work that I love and 
I don't feel like I'm getting paid for the value I create. And, and that's really a problem. And I'm going to feel better when, ding, 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 did you hear that? I'm going to feel better when I get paid more or I'm at the new place. And, you know, look, if, 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 we're, if you're having this kind of a mindset or these kind of thoughts, and they're totally normal, but these thoughts will, again, bring up some feelings inside of you. And those feelings might be feeling insecure. They might be feeling insufficient, like you don't have everything within you. They might leave you feeling very desperate, like, oh my God, it's going to be terrible. I'm never going to get out of here. I'm never going to work in a place that I love. I'm never going to get the promotion, right? It may leave you with some feelings of worthlessness, like, oh my God, they didn't, you know, they didn't hire me. I wasn't the one and, you know, I'm totally inept, right? And, and you, you know what happens? I mean, like, let's be honest, like if you and I start going into having these feelings about being, you know, insecure or being desperate or feeling very worthless, I mean, you know what happens when you feel worthless, probably. You may start blaming yourself for not being polished enough during your interview. You might cry. You might sulk around the house. You may have an extra glass or hell, even an extra bottle of wine. I mean, I would be lying if I said I haven't in the past had a glass or a bottle of wine to numb some of my emotions. Um, maybe you're in that category too. Maybe some of you are like, no girl, I don't even do wine anymore because it's got too many calories. I just go straight to the gummies. <laughs> or you're like, I got a one hitter in my medical marijuana card. Yeah, it's fine. I see you, but like, look, it's all still the same shit, right? It's all still expecting, right, that I'm going to use the glass of wine and I'm not going to feel what I feel, right? I'm going to avoid feeling how I feel because, and I'm just going to numb it a little with some sort of, you know, uh, substance, whether that's marijuana, whether that's um, wine, whether it's food, um, you know, right? It's all, it's all this, um, this uh, idea that you, you don't want to cope with the feeling, right? And that you need something to, to help you numb it um, and avoid it. So you might also not be super excited when you're feeling all those feelings and you're having all these thoughts and you're drinking your wine and maybe you're waking up the next morning a little bit hungover and you're like, oh God, I had too much wine last night. You know, those are the moments when you also subsequently are not um, reaching out to the recruiter maybe. You're not asking for feedback from the recruiter, right? You're also maybe not you know, going on LinkedIn as much because you're like, oh God, I'm going to see that recruiter on LinkedIn and oh, it's going to be weird and I don't want to see the recruiter or, or I don't want to talk to that old hiring manager, that old division director who didn't hire me, right? You actually may go on to LinkedIn. You may block some of those people. You may be like, oh God, how I'm so embarrassed, right? And, you know, you might be very fearful about doing another interview. And, you know, it, and I want you to think of this whole picture, uh, you know, painting this picture, you being the person who sulks around the house, who cries, who blames yourself, who has an extra glass or a bottle or an extra couple gummies, you, um, you're right. And in those moments, what are you not doing? Well, you know, you're not reaching out to the recruiters. You're not improving your resume. You're not going back to your CV and making another iteration on it. You're not reaching out to another recruiter. You're not engaging with more people who could lead to, you know, future employment, right? And what happens is that when you do that, you feel worse and you reinforce this very 
you know, this really heavy feeling of insecurity, right? And you may sometimes, you know, beat yourself up and not have your own back. And it's exhausting, right? Like that's the whole character. That's the whole picture. If you look at this and you're like, yeah, I just did this. It's exhausting to go a couple days and be in those heavy feelings of worthlessness or or, uh, insufficiency or of insecurity. So the interesting thing, though, is that, you know, because we're not here to judge it, right? And if you've been a client of mine, you know that this is one of my lines I always say. I'm like, we're not here to judge it. We're not here to shame ourselves more for some of the thoughts and feelings that we've had or some of the ways that we've approached um, you know, as, uh, issues that have happened in our lives, not getting the job, not getting the promotion passed over for this. And, you know, it's normal. It happens. And again, you're not alone and we don't have to sit here and judge ourselves for it. But if we were going to consider whether or not that served us or it didn't, and then make a decision based on going forward, based on what served us, I would say that a couple days of stewing and worthlessness doesn't really serve you. And it really doesn't allow you really to kind of go and get that job, right? Because if you're the person who's like, oh, I'm not going to get the job. This job is terrible. I didn't get hired because I'm worth, you know, like I I didn't deserve it, right? Like then, right, you're actually not going to get hired, in that two days, right? It's highly unlikely you're going to get hired in those two days from sitting around and sulking and crying and feeling like a worthless piece of shit. Again, not here to judge it. I have been through all of this. And I mean, if, if you if you want to know anything about me, I've had many interviews that I haven't landed, many interviews that have gone terribly, right? Where my introverted self became very insecure. My voice quivered. I was sweating literally through my shirt And, you know, I didn't get hired. I've done that a lot of times, in fact. I've also been the advanced practice nurse or nurse or human who sat and got, you know, many job offers. So it's, it's, and I imagine you're in the same boat. The thing here is that if we're going to agree that sometimes on these job interviews we get or promotions or um, next steps, sometimes they work out in our favor. And sometimes they don't. And it's kind of a 50-50 game, right? It's just like life. Like life's kind of 50-50. Some days are shit and some days are like beautiful. You know, some days it rains and some days the skies are blue. And, you know, it's the most idyllic, gorgeous, you know, uh, green grass, crystal clear skies kind of a day. That's just kind of how it goes. And so, again, if we consider that, so it's normal normal that sometimes these things work out in my favor and sometimes they don't, then I would say, all right, so am I willing to spend then the two days in those big, heavy feelings of insecurity and insufficiency? Am I willing to beat myself up? Am I willing to blame myself or shame myself? And that, that's where I think we have a lot of opportunity. Now, some of you may be saying, but, but why do I do that? Right. And I think this is something that I've always wondered. Why am I the person who beats myself up, who goes through a two day shame and blame cycle? And, you know, we talked a little bit about this on one of the other podcasts about insecurity and the patriarchy. And, and I think it is worth touching on again, because 
I want you to remember that when you go into a two-day cycle of shame and blame or of desperation or these big, heavy feelings of being worthless because you haven't received the external validation, you haven't been hired for the job or promoted into the position, uh, and you're making it mean something about you, you know, here's the thing, right? You most likely have been trained always and from the get-go to think about other people first, right? You've, m- most of us have some element of people-pleasing. And this is another one that I've, uh, you know, that I have noticed tremendously about myself in the past few years, right? I've been a people pleaser for so long, not necessarily because I want to be, but because I was trained to be a people pleaser. And maybe you were too. Maybe you were just trained to, um, you know, be the one who always made sure that, you know, the household was the, um, the, you know, emotional, uh, um, bandwidth in the household was stable. Or maybe you were always the one who, you know, came in and made sure that everybody was okay. I mean, look, we have to also remember that you get paid in a role for 40 hours a week and then some to be the person who's a people pleaser. I mean, you really do, right? Like you, you get, you actually get paid to have somebody who comes into you with a complaint, you make an assessment, you provide a recommendation and you, and, and then they grade you, Right. They literally grade you on that interaction, right? So we not only as young girls very often are trained to be people pleasers, to make sure that we look good and our, you know, our dresses are clean and our hair's got bows in it and, you know, and that we have lovely amounts of makeup on, but certainly not too much because we don't, you know, need to look like, you know, whores or anything, right? Like there's just this, there's this pervasive narrative that many of us have been raised on that really reinforce this idea of, of course, you need to make sure that the comfort of the other people around you is met and that it is uh, more important to please others than it is to consider pleasing yourself, right? And 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 also, furthermore, than to please yourself would mean that you're a selfish bitch. So you certainly can't do that either, right? Because you don't want to be seen as selfish, right? I mean, this is the narrative. And so, um, and in addition, you have to consider, right? Many of us were raised on stories of, of women who, um, got locked up in castles or they became, they, uh, you know, became women who had bodies of mermaids. And then what did they have to do? Well, they had to just kiss a prince, you know, in order to, to be saved. They had to, they had to do some action that was pleasing to another in order to regain their sense of body or their sense of self or their sense of autonomy, right? They had to let their hair down and let someone else, um, climb up and rescue them, right? So, you know, these are stories that many of us have been sold and, and grown up on and in a variety of iterations. And if you've ever read, a, if you're ever looking for a little bit more support or you're curious about these narratives and the myths uh, that we've been, um, that have grown up throughout cultures, and um, I would highly recommend that you read um, Women Who Run With Wolves. It's a fantastic book. I just finished that a couple of weeks ago. And um, it's fascinating to learn about, even across cultures, that there are these uh, a, a handful of stories about women in particular that through the ages uh, we have been trained uh, to and we have been taught and the stories that we have been told, which have perpetuated in narratives of people-pleasing and perfectionism and um, you know, women as, as, uh, only there to serve others. So, so, I mean, look, 
if, if you've ever been exposed to TV, if you've ever heard a story from, you know, uh, Disney, if you've ever been a person who lived in this world, who walked past a billboard um, of a, you know, um, underwear ad of a woman who, you know, had a, like, totally fantastic body, like, you've been subject to a lot of these stories, right? It's, this is just how, this is kind of the present day of how we've grown up. And this is, in essence, how the patriarchy manifests for a lot of us. So if this is you, I just want you to know nothing's gone wrong here and you're not alone again. And now what do we do? Well, again, it always comes back to the minute that you become aware of something and the minute that you have a little bit more information, you then make a new choice. Does this serve me? And if you're like, I don't know how to do that, I just want to also remind you that if you send somebody out, if a patient comes to you with a UTI symptoms and you treat them for a UTI with Bactrim and then you send the culture and then two days later you get the culture back in your in basket and it says that actually that culture, the, um, the bacteria is not, uh, is resistant to Bactrim and you need to order Augmentin or you need to order Keflex then what do you do? With new information, you change the antibiotic. You don't make it mean anything about you. You don't tell yourself you were stupid for sending in the Bactrim and starting the patient on treatment. No! You just actually change the medication. And you send a message to the nurse and say, please inform the patient to stop taking the Bactrim and then start Augmentin. Augmentin's been ordered. Uh, and uh, let me know if they have any questions. Done and done right? You've literally done it from your in basket. You're like, done. And you move on. There's no two days of like feeling insecure and feeling worthless or questioning all this shit or crying, right? You're just like, no, I just, yeah, this is what happened, right? You made a choice that served you and it served your patient, which was to, with new information, uh, change the antibiotic and move on. And so if you're kind of like, oh, wait, could I actually do that? Like if I can do it for an antibiotic and for a patient, could I do it for myself? Am I willing to change maybe some of my thinking so that I avoid another two-day bender of insecurity and worthlessness? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, it's a possibility for you. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there because I think if you're willing to do that, then maybe that that could open up some doors for you. Like, I want you to think, what could it, what could it be like if you never went into an interview and you, and you never needed to get that job? Like, I, I honestly, like, what if you walked into that interview and you were like, look, I'm the literally baddest ass, uh, the, the baddest bitch out there. <laughs> I am literally the best candidate for this position. And if you can't see that, shame on you. Like, do you, like, that's some different energy. You guys know I did uh, my training on how to cultivate queen energy. And if you're in Women Who Cultivate, we go through this, like, walking in an, into an interview like a queen, right? Like, what could it look like if you're like, it's not a problem for me to have 100 interviews and not get one, not get a position. Like, it's not a problem for me to have 100 conversations with the recruiters 
and not get a position because, right? Because in my mindset is like, I'm going to get the position. It's just a matter of time. And maybe if I don't get the position on a hundred, maybe then I start to go back and say, all right, what worked, what didn't work? And what am I going to do differently next time? Right? Because queen energy are walking into the interview with the energy of, I don't need anybody's external validation. I'm not seeking approval. I'm not making this job or an offer that you potentially might make. I'm not making that mean anything about me, right? Because if I'm a queen and I walk into that, I just say, look, I'm a queen. Of course, you're going to want a queen on your team. Of course, you would want me here. Of course, I am the best candidate for this position. The question isn't whether or not I'm the best candidate question for you is whether or not you will see it, whether or not you will take advantage of this opportunity to hire me and bring me onto your team, right? Right, like that's a whole different can of worms. You know what I mean? Can you imagine going into an interview with that kind of energy, with that confidence, with that sufficiency inside where you say, I'm, I never make any of their bullshit mean anything about me. I could go on a hundred interviews. And even if if 50 of them worked and 50 of them didn't, I would never make it mean anything about me. If 100 worked, I would never make that mean anything about me. Like I'm the perfect person or I'm the perfect candidate. Or, And on the flip side, if none of them worked out, I wouldn't make that mean anything about me. Because when I stop seeking external validation and external approval from others, and when I commit to creating that in myself with my thoughts and with how I feel, I'm unstoppable. I'm unfuckwithable. Like when I become that person, girl, watch out. I'm going into interviews and I'm just going to slay. Right? So I want you to think about that. Like what could that look like? What could it look like if I never went into a blame and shame cycle? What could it look like if I always had my own back? What, it, what could it look like if... You know, not getting hired never meant anything about me being a good person or didn't mean that I wasn't doing it right. What if I go through a hundred interviews and it just, and I look at it and I I say, oh yeah, I totally am doing something right here because I'm getting the same response every time. Now, what am I doing right? And what am I, what's, where's there an opportunity to improve, Right. Like, I just want you to think. I want you to lean into that a little bit. Um, right? Like, so what if they don't want me? If I'm willing to always want myself, then I don't really give a fuck if somebody else is on the other side of that not wanting me. Whether it's in an interview, or it's a relationship, or it's a patient encounter, or it's a patient satisfaction score, right? Have you ever seen somebody who gets their patient satisfaction scores back and is like, yeah, whatever, right? Now, for some of us, when patient satisfaction levels are tied to compensation, right, we have an incentive. We are literally incentivized to um, to try to control elements of the visit that over which we have no control, which is how the patient shows up, right? Like, the shitty thing about these, about being the person who is um, compensated or bonused for high patient satisfaction scores is that we're trying to control for things over which we have no control, right? Like I can't control whether or not 
the patient comes in and has a great experience because they have their own brains and they have their own thoughts, their own perceptions, their own biases that I have no control over, right? But still, at the end of the day, if I get (laughs) compensated for it or if there's a bonus available, I may try like hell to make sure that that experience is as good of one as I can make it. And I also have to realize I still don't have any control over how the patient thinks the whole damn thing went. I don't have control over whether or not the patient uh, maybe got in a car accident or a fender bender right before our visit and was just in a terrible mood when they came in. I mean, like I could be as sweet as pie and be bent over backwards for a patient and they may still be like, it's a shit experience. It's terrible. Their staff was terrible. Right. Just because why? Well, they're, you know, they're carrying around some unprocessed emotions from what just happened. We're not here to blame them, but the shitty part is, right, if you're the person on the other end, you're like, oh, damn, I'm not going to get compensated or bonused because, you know, I've got uh, patients who, uh, by and large, you know, uh, are having some tough times at home. And when they come in for their visits, despite every attempt we make to make it a wonderful experience, it just isn't received as that. Like, that's control. That's right. I have no control over that. But, um, But what if? What if I could just say, oh, but I never make that mean anything about me? What if you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Patient satisfaction scores dipped this month. All right. Right? Like, because if I'm the advanced practice nurse who shows up and I'm like, I always try to support my patients. I always create connection with them. I always um, listen to them. I always use shared decision making as a way to help them down the path of choosing what interventions are most appropriate for them based on their needs, desires, um, their experiences, then I would never make it mean anything about me, right? So I hope this has been supportive to start thinking that there are some different options for how you could think about uh, yourself next time the interview doesn't land or next time you send your resume and submit it and you hear nothing or the next time that you go through five out of uh, interviews in a row and nothing happens, right? And then the recruiter calls and says, sorry, we went with somebody else, right? So I hope this is supportive, right? And remember, we don't have to judge it. We know that it's normal. We know that some of us have this, these kind of deeper stories and um, belief systems about how we were raised and, and the roles in which we're, we're supposed to play and the um, ways in which we're supposed to act. And sometimes that when we do those, it ends up with some big emotions and feelings that don't really feel good and don't really support us in getting where we want to be, right? If I sit for two days and cry, right, I'm, uh, I'm those two days that I'm otherwise not, um, you know, out there trying to slay and get a job. Um, or, you know, landing that position or having those next conversations that are building the framework and opportunities down the road. So, um, so you've got some different ways to think, I hope. And I want you to just think, what could it feel like if I were willing to never make it mean something about me? Is there some opportunity there for me? I think there is. So if you are like, wow, I think I need a little bit more of this because one podcast episode isn't fixing this shit for me. Yeah, that's exactly why I created Women Who Cultivate. This is exactly why I have a group coaching program for advanced practice nurses who want to stop having the two-day benders of shame and blame, and they want to start feeling really empowered. They literally want to show up like queens 
into clinic. They want to show up like queens in their relationships. They want to show up like queens when it comes time for discussing raises and promotions. They want to be the people who walk into any interview and never make it mean anything about them. And I'm here to tell you it is 100% possible and it can happen for you too. And Women Who Cultivate was designed specifically to support you in becoming that queen. So so check us out, www.anconkleycnm.com, and I will see you next time. Take care.